Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, the status of, of evidence in halacha for dina nefashis, for both capital cases and for monetary cases, relies solely on witness testimony. You have to actually see it. This is a xeris akasov. It's just a almost reasonless Torah decree. You know, two witnesses equal 100 witnesses. Not because we trust one more than the other, but just because that's the way Hashem said. You need to have two witnesses. So even if you have a 100% certainty of what happened, it does not help. The Gemara talks about a story of Shirin Ben He saw one guy chasing someone else with a sword. They chased them into a ruin. No one was in the ruin before. He runs in after a second later, and he sees the guy with the sword standing over the other guy. The guy's bleeding out, convulsing on the ground. He says, I know it was... You know, I, two people might have killed him, me or you, and I know I didn't do it. It was you. I know it was you. But I didn't see it. I didn't see it. So, your death is not given to me. And so then a snake came and killed him. And that's what the, the Gemara says, that whenever there's not enough evidence within the basin, Hashem takes care of the problem. So both for capital cases and for monetary cases, it's not good enough to know what happened. You have to have seen what happened. Um, the Gemara gives the case of, of a camel that's chasing other camels. You know that it's, it chased it to kill it. You run after it and you see it just killed it a second ago. It doesn't help. As long as you didn't witness the actual killing, you can't demand payment from the owner of the, the violent chasing camel. So this, immediately off the bat, would preclude DNA and blood type testing from any sort of capital cases. Using it to determine who murdered who, anything like that. Um, we'll talk about a little bit more of what a basin could do with it in the future, but that's, you know, the, 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 the baseline. Um, but to understand DNA, you have to go back to blood types, because blood types is where the real questions began. How does a rub deal with these sort of um, forms of evidence? So in 1900, a bunch of scientists, so, you know, they're all converging on the same idea together. Uh, they were looking at human blood, and they saw that it... It bunches together, it clumps together with only other types of blood. It's called um, agglutination, and depending on how much, what sort of antibodies are inside of it is whether they clumps together. And so they did you know, studies and they found four primary types, A, B, you know, A, B, and, and O, and they then realized that it's, Men it's Mendelian, which means it's, it's the product of a single gene, which can either be on or off, basically. So you can predict whether or not it's going to be A or B or O based on the parents. Just like, you know, eye color can be predicted based on, you know, if you have dominant or, or you know, genes going on, single gene being turned on or off. The same thing is true of blood type testing. It's either A or B and you can predict it if both parents are going to be B, you know that the children are going to be B. So all you got to do is stick the blood in a, in a tube and watch it clump and you'll know. So this could be used to determine whether or not someone is related to someone else whether or not they are the parents of that. As someone in this, uh, you know, in this community told me, there was a biology student in their college who you know, went to her biology class and she did her blood type testing and she went home and asked her parents for her, their blood type testing and the teacher said, well, you need to go do some more research because it does not seem like you two are related. And that's, that's, that was the truth. <laughs> so that's blood type testing. So how does Halacha deal with it? So the Tzitzel Yezer in 1977 was, was brought this question. Can you determine paternity through a blood type? He said, absolutely not. And the Gemara says that whatever that science is, it must be wrong. 
Because the Gemara says there's three partners in man, you know, father, mother, and Hashem. And the mother is the one who gives blood, not the father. So blood doesn't come from the father. Blood doesn't come from the father. It obviously can't determine paternity from the blood. He then quotes a story from, from Absadia Goin, who did some sort of testing with blood and a bone, but he rejects that as well. And then he adds his final statement about science in general. He says, science in general is completely untrustworthy from a halakhic perspective because they just use estimation. And what was right today is wrong tomorrow. Things change constantly. Um, you know, a classic example of this is, is, um, is the, what causes earthquakes and what causes volcanoes. If you go back to the early um, 1900s, late 1850s to 1900s, um, if you believed in plate tectonics, if you believed that the, the earth was made of these large separate plates that were floating on magma and moving around, you would laugh out of the medical establishment. They believed that all this happened because of expansion and contraction of the planet. And that was considered the, the science. Everyone else was just, you know, a crackpot. And then someone did the math of convection currents with magma and realized, hey, wait a minute, the math works perfectly. If we draw a line, we'll see all the cracks. And then within like 20 years, if you believe in expanding Earth theory, you're crazy. That does happen. That does happen. So he says that's true of all science. Science just doesn't stay. So we can't rely on it. If a doctor is looking at an x-ray and sees a broken bone, we can rely on that. You know, they're looking at it. But these sort of tests and estimations, it's all fake. And to go even further, um, the Chubasari Vash says you know, even more extreme things. He says that if you do rely on this sort of medical knowledge, it's going to destroy the Tyra. Tyra won't be from heaven anymore. Because the same medical community that tells you that blood types lead to this person being a parent, this person not, not, not being a parent, also leads to saying that this animal, which we say is a trefa, won't last a year, will last a year. And this animal that we say will last a year, won't last a year. So if you accept them, you're just gonna, you know, destroy the whole tyra. Yeah. The trefas, the particulars of the trefas are not minatea. Those were determined by Hamid. Right. Well, and that changes. Well, in his view, the Rivash's view, those are kind of synonymous. To say that the, once the rabbis put it into halakha, it's going to be set in stone. Um, he doesn't, for some reason, no one was like Nishtanu Hatibin with animal traces. I don't know why. But the fact is that it did. So there was a sort of hiding head in the sand going on. And in some sense, still today, where people are hiding their head in the sand about what is and is not a trefa. Um, if it, you know, they're checking, you know, you're checking the lungs. You may or may not be using, you know, the ancient science. We wouldn't use any of the Gemara's medical, you know, things. But for some reason, for Trefes, we still use essentially almost exactly what the Gemara said. And there's a, that's a separate cheer about why we do that. Right, and that part of that part of the reason for that is because of Aguna specifically. Meaning, we we don't say nishtanu hativim lechomra to try to prevent someone from getting aguna. I, I, I don't imagine that they're gonna say the same thing today for for you know medical assumptions about people living in other cases. I don't know for sure. I didn't look into it, but I presume so. 
I don't know for sure. Anyway, so the, the Rivash is very much threatened by the science, threatened by the, the medical community. And he, he says that if you, if he you know, describes in very harsh terms, and he says that you can't rely. He says, he, he says um, the way he describes it is, we shouldn't believe the Greek and Ishmaelite uh, medical people who don't test properly the way the Chazal do. And uh, it's like the Gemara says, I bring a riot from Torah and you bring a riot from fools. There's no, there's no, you know, there's no uh, similarity here. So this was a, a early vision of, of how Tyra and science work together, which is ignore it unless it's clear. I can, I can look in a picture, basically. Anything else doesn't count. And that was persisting until basically 1977 in the Tzitzli Then you had another story, um, which occurred a few years later, which is quoted in Nishma Savram about the nightmare of every parent. So you go to the hospital, your kid gets taken away to the nursery, and then somehow, some way, someone removed the tag, I don't know, put it back in the wrong, in the wrong crib, and they couldn't figure out which baby was whose. They went through all their testing, they're trying to do, you know, I don't know, check their security cameras, they could not figure out which baby was which parents. So they said, okay, well, let's do a blood type test. Did a blood type test, and it could only have been from one of those parents. And then they gave the baby back, we discovered it, we figured it out, and they come to the Rav and say, uh, what do we do? What do we do now? So this question was brought to Shlomo Zalman Arabah and the Tzitzeliezer again. The same guy who said that, that all science is just an estimation, he was given exactly the same question, blood type testing, for determining which child belonged to who. And he said, he said, you cannot rely on it alone as its own you know, solitary form of evidence. But along with something else, it's good enough. With something else, you could rely on it. This is a very big reversal from him. Not a long period of time. Yeah? Can paternity be determined in Can paternity be determined in So, Ripsadia going, according to Mishra Sutton, did a, did a test and then relied on it. Um, with, with, he put a bone in a basin, he put blood in the basin, and the, the, bone, the blood got absorbed into the bone, and he relied on it so for determining. Is there any way to determine other than science? I mean, you. No, there's chazaka. We, yeah, we talk about chazaka. Chazaka is not proof, it's chazaka. Right. It's a roiv, and there's no. I don't think, I'm trying to think. I can't think, imagine any other viewer. Right. There's no basis for that. No, I don't think so, yeah. I mean, maybe they would, I'm, I'm just thinking of top of my head, perhaps they would say, Dmus Diyaykno is exactly like with Avram Yitzchak, like, I don't know for sure. But I can't imagine that that's going to be like evidence model. Huh? Right. That's true. I don't think that there ever really was a form of, of absolute paternity. There are a bunch of That's why you have to wait for three months. If there was a way to determine it, they wouldn't need to wait three months for, uh, for a evil. Right, right, right. That's true. I never I was trying to Right. That's uh, mitochondrial. He talks about it all the time. I think it's only an addition pack that else you have. Right. So it's just a, it's just a Exactly, yeah. Anyway, so the Tzitzeliezer seems to make a reversal here. Earlier he said that all it's all just estimations and everything changes by the day. Here he says you could rely on it along with something else. Why this change? To me, this seems very clear. If you come to a rub with a question, he's not just looking at blood type testing. He's looking at what are you doing with it. In the first time he was asked, 
They asked him, blood type testing, does it work or not work? What's the result? He says it works, what happens? Blood type testing can't determine paternity generally. It could just determine not paternity. You could say that these two people could be parents and child. You can't say that, but you could say that they are not. You can't say that they are. So in other words, all that could happen from blood type testing is mamzerus. That is the only outcome, pretty much. So when you ask him, hey, to make more mamzerus, should we accept blood type testing? He says, no, what are you talking about? Science is nothing. It's all garbage. Then you come and say, hey, we have a parent that can't figure out whose child it is. He says, okay, along with other things, it's okay. That can also lead to mamzerus. Now, it could lead to mamzerus, but here, it's, there's another, there is only two possible parents here. Only two possible parents in this scenario. And he's going to rely on it only with something else, which would mean he's going to, you know, he's going to hopefully, you know, he would probably, if you asked him again the same exact question, without this context, he'd probably give you the same, it doesn't count according to halakha. Um, Rav Shalom Zalman though, he wrote, he said that, that if this testing has been tested multiple times, many, many, many times, then we'll rely on it. And here, again, we shift to more of like this, it's been tested enough to accept it, you know, by itself almost. So this was pretty much the, the case from the 70s um, all the way up until the 2000s. Blood type testing was rejected unless you had a very, very specific scenario where we could accept it. And then the human genome was sequenced, 2000, and now we could determine paternity absolutely. Not just not paternity, now you can say this person is their parent. Um, and it became a very different scenario. So in 2001, there was a disaster in New York City. The towers came down, and there were a lot of missing bodies, body parts that could not be identified just by looking. And there were women whose husbands were in the tower, and now what? Gone. So they were, the Rabbanim were tasked with, can we use DNA evidence to determine whether or not the remains are from their husbands? and to be matir agunas. And as you know, whenever you're tasked with the question of agunas, all of a sudden, you know, everyone's going to be working to try to make them allowed. So, Rebendel Senderovich, who was the Rav of Milwaukee, he was, he was um, tasked with this question. And he said, you know, when Rav Tzitzeliezer said that science is just estimation, well, that was in 1977. You know, this is many years later. We now know that it's, it's one in a trillion that you're going to get the wrong, not the wrong DNA evidence over here. Now, practically speaking, blood type testing is, is the same. You could probably test it a bunch of times if you wanted to be certain, but you're going to get accurate results with blood type testing as well. But again, it's really all about the outcome. A rub doesn't show up and say, I'm, going to, I'm just going to do the science and speak to a doctor and just figure out how trustworthy something is. They have to think down the line. They have to think, what is going to happen because of this? Yeah? Right. So the generally, in order for something to be a simon to be reliable, he says it has to be at least one in a thousand wrong. I mean, no, n not more than one in a thousand chance wrong. So ninety nine point nine percent, you're ninety nine point nine nine percent, then you're good. Um, and no, so not right, not right. Um, he, it's as a simon muvak is the way he describes it. Um, which I assume would overpower whatever other chazakas you have. Is essential. It doesn't. You don't, you, don't, you don't use it for everything, but you use it only in you know 
agonists and stuff like that. But when it comes to agonists, though, the whole ADUS is, is weakened when it comes to agonists. 100%. We can't use it from any headset that we have regarding aguna when it comes to DNA. We can't be applied to the other. Right. You can rely on one aid and not kosher aidim, you know. Right. Um, but the they the problem was is that they didn't have a way of differentiating and saying we're only going to rely on it with agunos as a non-aidos, pretty much. Because I think that I'm not sure exactly. I think the process of saying that it's a simon. If you say it's a simon muvak, then you have to accept it in other scenarios as well, pretty much. So you could, if, if you accept it as a simon muvhak in general, it will also be a simon muvhak for, for mamzerim and create, you know, more mamzerim. But when dealing with this specific scenario, Remendel Sardarovich said, okay, you know, I have people in front of me who, who are agunais, and DNA evidence is strong enough. It's, it's good enough. And, you know, he, he kind of just, he drops, he, you know, the Tzitzit Lancer said, science changes every day. He says, well, that wasn't tested enough. Basically, and you can't really imagine a rub saying that sentence today anymore. Saying you know science changes every day so much, um, mainly because there's a there's a differentiation between the observable phenomenon and and the theory behind observable observable phenomenon. Which is you can see what is happening, which is unchangeable pretty much, and then you can figure out why something is ha happening, which does change. So. With enough testing, you can see that 50% of your DNA is in your children, you know, and you can see that 25% is in your grandchildren, and that's observable within the DNA itself. Why can't you say that that is ADUS in and of itself when you see the DNA, meaning right now we have the technology that you're able to, even back then when the person killed the person, there was no, there's no actual ADUS to see it. Now that you actually have the DNA open, the two ADUS that see the DNA and that matches, that is ADUS, just like seeing the moon. In the sky, you have your radius that it's not restricted. Hmm. Uh, just go back to the case of the of the guy with the with the ruin here. He runs and he sees him on the floor. He sees he didn't see the action happening. Right, but I'm saying he didn't see the actual action, so therefore there's no atheist. But here when you see the DNA, you're seeing that your atheist is on DNA that you're seeing. Hmm. It's not gonna work for capital cases for sure now. I'm just trying to think of if, if you would consider it evidence to see, if you would consider ADOS to see evidence, I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't imagine that. You'd consider it evidence to see. If you watch them, take the No, but you're able to, meaning back in the day, you weren't able to see the deep, you weren't right, able right, to see right. what's behind the blood. Now you can see what's behind the blood, you can see the marker. So that in itself is ADOS as opposed to, you know, just assuming or making a test. Well, if you presume that the what you see is merely just an assumption, then you don't have ADOS. I think that it, no, it's all going to go back to the... saying that it's fact, that it's, right. not it's, merit, it's not an assumption. So just seeing the DNA would be... Meaning you would look at the DNA with the... <laughs> but, but you yeah, could... Somebody telling us that this is a fact what we're seeing. Right. I mean, there's... Again, but so then you, you could have, have two guys who know what they're doing, yeah, and they would be a similar. So there's ADOS, ADOS that can only be verified by a certain type of people. Is it good ADOS? What? My friend's a professional chef, and you can rely on him based on his face. Mm -hmm. That's not that's, that's 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 that ADOS. That's not ADOS. It's not ADOS. You get a rabbit and you're looking at it, that's what you're saying, right? Then, then you but when a virus, 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 vir
So you can have an influence on that fact that there's 50% of the DNA in this case from the father, but that doesn't speak to what's behind the scenes. Like that's still circumstantial. Mm -hmm. I still argue it's circumstantial. Yeah, it's back, this DNA matches up. But what does that mean for eternity? That's circumstantial that you're relying on science. Mm -hmm. so, so you're, that's, right. Why is that? It's so <laughs> You're saying the same, the same circumstantial case of, of seeing a person standing over a dead body where what you see creates a certainty about what occurred, but it's not considered seeing the actual thing. Similarly, you see the DNA, you still didn't see the guy getting crushed, you just know it's him now because of whatever. But you're saying at the end of the day, the person's not existence. Right, something like that. Either way, so there's, there's a shift over time towards a, a stronger sense of, of trust in the process of science and ascertaining. And a part of it is, is I think, a, a shift of culture over time in our trust in science in general, but also just in what the um, possible applications are. Whenever the applications can only result in mamzerim, we're going to distrust as much science as we want. And whenever it's going to result in less agonais, we're going to trust science as much as we want. So that's the, the shift today, and today most um, so they the the, most things will use DNA to be matir agunais, and there are some rabbanim who are like, okay, well now we're stuck because we have to also use it for mamzerim, and then some rabbanim will say, okay, we're going to just count it as if it's one of these weird and not really ados situations that'll only work for aguna, um, and it, I guess it depends on, on you know, the, the people who don't want to deal with it will probably send it to the rav who says that it's not ados except for you know aguna cases. Um, but practically speaking, there is a trust of DNA built into the system that everyone agrees that it's effective. Um, and then the question is just basically, how do we get around it for Mamzeros? That's the situation today. Yes, so, we don't want to determine the Mamzeros. We don't. We would rather not, you know? We, what about if you have like, a DNA bank where everybody when you're born, you put it into a bank and then you match it, so then it's not a, it's not, you have the ages part, so it's no more circumstantial. Yeah, every child that is born automatically their DNA is put into a sort of, sort of thing, and then like very sharp, so to speak, and then you just match it against that, and then you could have, you know. You could have testing against the person himself. So there is one base in it, in Chuba, you see that they differentiate between testing against the person themselves and testing against relatives, and say that testing against themselves is a simon mohawk, but in practical terms, in the science, knowing that 100% of the DNA is yours is the same as knowing that 50% of the DNA is yours. Meaning you know you are 100% sure that it's you, or you're 100% sure that you are the son of that person. Meaning if you have even a relative, you can get as certain, pretty much, as in having your own DNA. And this is important because in, in, I think in the in middle of the 2000s, there was a cold case that was solved with DNA. A Golden State killer, uh, a killer from the 80s who had stopped suddenly when DNA evidence started you know, becoming more usable. Um, they opened up whatever ancient things they'd found, you know, I don't know, whatever gloves they found somewhere, and they swabbed them. And the DNA was not in their database. So the FBI has a database of DNA biometrics for all the criminals that, that they put into their system. But if it's not in the system, it's not in the system. However, you share 50% of the DNA with your parents, and you share with your siblings, and you share with your cousins and second cousins. If you can get three second cousins or four third cousins that all you know, of yours, you can be triangulated in a DNA perspective. So the FBI went to one of these online DNA places and said, give us your, your database and we'll find the killer. And they pressured and they pressured and they came. They said, here, access to it, check. And they found they had a second cousin, a third cousin, and a fourth cousin all within the database. And they were able to pinpoint exactly who the person was. And they caught him. 
So this is a, the next step, which is when you go and you put your stuff in an online database, you're not just telling information about yourself now. You're sharing information about all your relatives. Every relative that you have shares some of the information that you put in. So after that story, there was a, a lawsuit, and they sued the company and said, you can't just share information with the FBI. Um, and what most companies do now is they put a box, like, would you like to share your information with the government? And, uh, yes, there are options, but then you're like, you're actively putting it in. Yeah. So the question now is, could a Jew go on 23andMe and click the box, share with the FBI? See what happens. Are you breaking the right to privacy of other people? Are you sharing information that other people did not, you know, assent to? They, they didn't really agree to have the, part of their DNA put out for the FBI to see. What, what would you be violating other than cashing your government? Well, you're, you're, you're giving over people to the government. What does Meister apply to the old? That's a good question. Exactly. That's what Meister applies to the old altogether. So, the in the in the source sheet you'll see we quote Arachal Shulchan. Arachal Shulchan. No, so so the Arachal Shulchan writes that the laws of Meisa are only applied in the wild countries of Africa, you know, where the law is not set, where the people in the government who say they're helping people are actually just working for their personal gain. But in all our civilized European countries. We can trust the government. And therefore, he says, the laws of Meister do not apply. And the Rad Yosef says that you could... Did he say that because he Right, so that's the thing. So Rad Yosef says, we can assume that he didn't say that because he listed specific countries. If he was just trying to avoid the censor, he wouldn't have like given names. So Rad Yosef says we can rely on it that he wasn't just trying to avoid the censor and you actually, the laws of Meister don't apply in... Western countries, maybe. Um, but there was a case in, um, I think, 1961, where a guy was selling non-kosher meat in a kosher butcher store, you know, putting the, the kosher symbols on it and selling. He got caught, and the, the basin, it was in Baltimore, the basin sent to a bunch of fines and said, can we give this guy over? Can we give this guy over to, um, you know, the government? And he said that the laws of Meisar apply even if they're giving the same exact judgment. It's berkois, you can't be judged in a non-Jewish court. So it's, it's not exactly Meisar in the sense of like giving over, but, but you are actively going to a non-Jewish court, and that's a problem in and of itself. And therefore, unless there's no way to stop the guy, unless there's no way to stop the guy through a bastin, you can't take him to a non-Jewish court, especially because non-Jewish courts use prison time. And prison time is a punishment that does not appear anywhere in halakhic literature. So therefore, there's still a problem of taking someone to a non-Jewish court unless there's no other way to stop them. So, but we... That's but he was, he was up there, yeah? I just want to make a point. Their choice is not the same thing as Moisir. Yeah. you can kill Domi Berosha. Right, exactly. Their choice is just uh, not there. Someone takes right. their choice over monetary issues. It's not uh, considered a Moisir. Right. We <laughs> okay. Have uh, you had a question? You get interrupted? No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, like, so at the end of the day, since president doesn't have any criminal 
exactly. So the question then comes down to, do you trust the FBI to only use your DNA to catch your relatives in cases where they should be catching your relatives? Do you trust the government to not abuse their privileges and, and, and chase uh, capital uh, stormers or something? I don't know. If you trust them, if we assume that the FBI is, like the Aruch HaShulchan said, a civilized country, then there's no Meiser problem, and it's the type of people that we can't stop any other way, right? We're searching for them, so then there's no halakhic problem. And, um, and that's, to me, that seems to be probably the scenario, where you would be allowed to put out your DNA, even to the government, because they're probably catching people that couldn't be caught otherwise. Well, I think you put it on, like, you're putting on Meiser. Like, maybe hmm? ask the question the opposite. Like, maybe Right, exactly. Well, if we so if we assume that the government's only only chasing Golden State killers and not uh, you know the FBI assassinating Martin Luther King, also, then you're fine. Yeah, but they are. Even if they are also, <laughs> so the fascist trumps everything, right? So right. even if they catch no. a money launderer, I don't know. No, you don't do that. You don't say, well, we're going to cast our net and there's going to be a hundred people in it, and fifty of them will be dangerous, and that's okay. You have to be reasonably certain that it's not going to be used for, for, for something wrong. Publicly, though, and then your cousin finds out that they're not actually your cousin. Mm, okay. There, that's a little different. Now, could you, could you post it publicly in general? Right, but now you're calling your grandma and you're like, oh, that I'm going to pay somebody. Right, it's possibly not. As we say in the source, anything that could cause, so there, I, I would assume not. So as we, I quoted one of the sources, the author says anything that could down the line lead to embarrassment or suffering for anyone falls into the Lashon Hara, even if it's like not really intended. So putting it publicly, posting it publicly, where it might, you, you know, someone might find out that they're not related to someone that they thought they were related to, is a gnai that you can't, you know, be part of. That's terrible for testing themselves. Hmm? If you're testing yourself, you're assuming the risk of finding out that... No, the point is that... that if I find it publicly, nobody else is going to lose unless they decide that they want to check. If they want to check, it's not them, it's not me. Right. When you submit that thing, you're accepting terms and conditions. Like, can you accept the terms and conditions? Hmm. Let me think. It's possible. Um, I, I, it's possible that you could triangulate someone else. Um, let's say I have three second cousins. Okay, three second cousins. They all decide to triangulate me for fun, and they realize that they can't. That tells them immediately that something is wrong. No, no. He's not tested at all. No. Just your cousins were tested, they should be able to find you. If they can't find you, that would tell them that you are not related to people that you think you are. So you don't have to test to be found out that your imams are technically. Now, the likelihood of this happening is probably pretty low, but in technical terms, it's possible for someone else to be found out that their imams are without ever testing themselves. So in that possible scenario, perhaps there's a problem of that down the line. Although I'm not exactly sure if that's a real worry, but at least in a theoretical sense, it's possible. Um, the last thing that I wanted to talk about is, is uh, something that I'm not sure about, I didn't see anything, is, is if DNA is a simon, is a simon muvhak, then there are no more, the, all the laws of Ashava Saveda are pretty much out the window. Until now, the laws of Ashava Saveda is if it doesn't have a simon, then you can keep it. But if DNA is a simon, then essentially everything except for money has a simon. Just test it, swab it, and you'll see. The DNA of the person who had, who's, who's yeah, but it's the DNA of the person who last touched it. Generally, we assume that we don't assume that unless it's something that's moved around a lot, like money. So, Gamora talks about if you write your name on money, it doesn't count, it's moved around a lot. 
but on an, a regular item, we would presume that your, you know, your swabbing would be a simon. I would presume. Exactly. I, I didn't see this anywhere, um, and it would be a real problem because it would be basically you'd have to leave everything until Yonavi shows up because everything has a simon on it. But uh, you know, it's one of those scenarios where I imagine Rub would say, "We don't trust science for this." You know. hundred percent. hundred percent, yeah. Right, so according to halacha, you wouldn't, for Dini Mamanis, you wouldn't rely on it on for DNA. that, for DNA. But for Hashavah Saveda, we do rely on Simon. So for Hashavah Saveda, perhaps it does apply. Right. Fingerprints also. Was the DNA. Right, but I'm saying it's all, based on the saying, it's only a simon. It's not saying he actually did it. So this is a general, if you're in a jury, sitting in a court case, do you rely on the American law or do you rely on halakha? Because halakha, you can't, you can't get him on DNA, just but DNA. But even DNA, even if you can rely on DNA to connect him to the case, it doesn't mean he actually did it. It doesn't mean he did it, it just means that he touched it at some point. point. I mean, he touched it at some point, it doesn't mean he actually did it. 100%, exactly. So today, to re- even in, I guess, even in the American system, can you rely on just the DNA to prosecute someone? Or they have to have something else yeah. to actually connect the body? In American law, it's enough. Depends what. Right. So then that's something else. A rape kit, yes. In a rape kit, it's different because then there's one of the other place of rape kit. Right. Right. But on a murder, you're not going to get convicted of murder just on the DNA because the DNA was on the same. You might get freed from prison if someone else's DNA was found, but you're not. Meaning the DNA is not considered beyond reasonable doubt. So you're saying DNA is only a similar thing. But also, this is not the same DNA as DNA of identity. All DNA is the same. Like every piece of you is the same. But I was there. Could be the same. Whether it's the same or not, they're very different. My DNA is not an object. Right. On their fingers, they were fighting back. Yeah. You, all you know is that the person was there from right. that. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. 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 You, you, I'm, I'm, you're, we're certain that, that you, it is you, but just because you can't come up with a reason why you were there doesn't mean that you did it still. Right. There's 43 currently that they came up with. I don't even know what that means. Um, in Wikipedia, it said 43 different blood types. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, that it could, all it can prove is that you're not related. It can't prove positive relationship, only negative relationship. Yeah, blood type. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, any other questions? That's that's basically my shame. So a guy was selling meat and he was not he was not at all hesitant. And their question was should we basically bring him to the basin and try to deal with it in basin? Or should we, you know, tell the, the FDA and you know? So he said don't go to them, because first of all, from a prison. Prison's not a Jewish punishment. And second of all, you have to at least try to stop him in, in basin before you can give him to anonymous. Go on to the back bench. So, 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 so,
So if the, if the, if the FBI is going to use um, DNA evidence for anything other than actual killers that you're trying to catch, then you have a problem of using Right, exactly. But, animals? Uh, almost for sure. Not Shkita and the Vegas. Unless you had like two parts of an animal and you wanted them. I mean, did they have like a story where this guy like lost half the animal, he checked the radio, but it was cut in half, so he figured which half of the animal. That's possible. You want to start like using your bumper like that on the ice. Right. So that's going to be a simic. Bust them online, you'll work because if, if you have a, it'll work. Exactly. You could you could use it DNA for for busters online. Oh yeah, there's a connection to my book because the same person wrote the book. <laughs> no, that's about it. Um, oh no, I do, I, I do. Okay, yes. Part of my book explains why Rabbanim. So the, the, the plug, ready? Part of the book, my book explains why Rabbanim use instrumental law. Why they show up to a, a court case with a, an objective bias in mind of what they want the outcome to be and why that's okay within Torah. So if you want an engaging and scintillating read that will brighten your day and night and create a then you can get a book tomorrow at 7.30. There will be a, a clear and coherent speech and a Q&A, and book signing, and milchik refreshments. Thank you very much. Thank you.